بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العلم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل لقطة من لساني يفقه قولي all praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We praise Him, we seek His assistance, and we seek His forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of my of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Uh, umsa'ever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides, then none can misguide, and umsa'ever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala misguides, then none can guide. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there's no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I welcome you all to our provisions for the hereafter series. This is lesson number 15, walillahi alhamd. And indeed, it's a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have um, come as far as we have. Um, ta'ala, we will continue with the reading um, that uh, Hisham started towards the end um, of our last session. Inshallah, he will read uh, up till page 84, inshallah. And uh, then thereafter, um, we will uh, continue... Uh, from where we left off, insha'Allah. So please go ahead, Brother Hisham. Jazakallahu khairan. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala ashrafil anbiya wal mursaleen nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. May Allah shower His mercy on the author of His book, on the teacher, and all those listening. We are continuing reading from page 73, and we will uh, stop. Shall at page 83 as the Sheikh said chapter he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would, he would perform the two Eid prayers in the Musalla which is near the eastern gate of Al-Madinah where the luggage place for the Hajj pilgrims is he did not perform the Eid prayers in his mosque except on one occasion when they were rained upon assuming the hadith which is in Abu Dawood's Sunan is authentic he would put on his best clothes and on Eid al-Fitr he would continue he would consume some dates before leaving eating an odd number as for Eid al-Adha he would not eat until he returned from from the musalla when he would eat from his sacrifice he used to bathe for the Eid prayers if the narrations to that effect are authentic and there are two weak hadith but it is confirmed that from Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu that he used to do so and he was very strict about following the sunnah and he w- he would go out walking carrying a anaza in his hands and when he reached the destination when he reached his destination he would plant it in the ground and order to, in order to pray towards it as a sutra for there were no buildings in the musalla he used to delay the prayer on Eid al-Fitr and he would hasten it on Eid, on Eid al-Adha and Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu who was very scrupulous about adhering to the sunnah would not go out until the sun had fully risen and he would make the takbir from the time he had left the house until he had reached the musalla once he sallallahu alayhi wasallam had reached the musalla he would begin the prayer without an adhan or an iqama being called and without saying as-salatu jami'a and neither he nor his companions radiyallahu anhum used to offer any prayers before it or after it upon reaching the musalla 
he used to begin by praying before the sermon praying two rak'ahs and saying Allahu Akbar seven times consecutively in the first rak'ah beginning with the opening takbir and he would observe a short silence between each two rak'ahs but no special dhikr has been reported for him between each takbir Although it has been reported on the authority of Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu that he used to pl- that he used to praise Allah and extol him and send prayers on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu used to raise his hands with each takbir once he had completed the takbir he would begin his recitation reciting in the first rak'ah surah al-Fatiha and surah Qaf and in the second he would recite surah after al-Fatiha surah al-Qamar or sometimes he might recite Surah Al-A'la in the first and Surah Al-Ghashiyah in the second. And nothing other than this that has been authentically reported from him. <clears throat> when he had completed his recitation, he would say Allahu Akbar and then bow. In the second rak'ah, he would pronounce the takbir five times consecutively. Then he would begin his recitation. Once he had completed the prayer, he would stand in front of the people whilst, while they were sitting in their rows and he would warn them and prohibit them from sin. And if he wished to send off a military expedition or command something, he would do so. And there was no pulpit, for he should deliver the sermon standing on the ground. As for the saying in the hadith which is found in the Sahihain that then he he descended and went to the women, etc. It might be that he was standing on a raised piece of ground, but as for the pulpit in Al Madinah, the first person to bring it out was Marwan ibn al Hakam, for which he was rebuked. As for the pulpit of brick and clay, the first person to build it was Kathir ibn Salt radiallahu anhu during the rule of Marwan in Al Madinah. The Prophet ﷺ permitted those who had attended the Eid prayer to sit down and listen to the sermon or to leave. And he permitted them if the Eid if the Eid day fell on Friday to content themselves with the Eid prayer without offering the Friday prayer. And he used to take a different path when coming back from the Eid prayer. And it has been narrated that he used to make takbir from Fajr prayer on the day of Arafah during Hajj until Asr time on the last day of Tashriq saying Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illa Allahu, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Walillahi alhamd. There's a typing error, um, there's a typo in the text. Allah is most graced. Allah is most great, Allah is most great. None has the right to be worshipped except Allah and Allah is the most great. Allah is most great and to Allah all praise and thanks are due. Chapter When the sun was eclipsed, he hurried fearfully to the mosque, trailing his rida behind him. The eclipse occurred at the beginning of the day when the shadow cast by the rising sun was equivalent to the length of two or three spears. And he went forth and prayed two rak'ahs, reciting aloud in the first surah al-Fatiha, and a long surah. Then he bowed and he prolonged it. Then he straightened up and he prolonged it and he prolonged his standing. But it was less than the first standing, i.e., that of the recital. And when he raised his head from the ruku' he said, Sami'Allahu liman hamidah rabbana wa lakal hamd. Allah hears the one who praises him, O our Lord, all praise and thanks are due to you. Then he began to recite, then he bowed and prolonged the bowing. But it was less than the first rukur. Then he prostrated and prolonged the prostration than he did in the second as he had done in the first. So he completed in the two rak'ahs four bowings and four prostrations. And in that prayer of his he saw paradise and the fire. He tried to pluck a bunch of grapes from it and show them to his companions radiallahu anhum. And he saw those who were being punished by the, in the fire. He saw a woman who was being lacerated by a cat which she had tied up until it died of hunger and thirst. And he saw Am- Amr ibn Malik dragging his intestines in the fire. 
and he was the first person to change the religion of Ibrahim and he saw therein a person who stole from a Hajj pilgrim being punished. Then he finished the prayer and delivered a most eloquent sermon and Imam Ahmad narrated that after he had made the taslim, he would praise Allah and extol him and testify that none is worthy of worship except Allah and that he is his slave and his messenger then said Ayyuhan nas unshidukum billahi in kuntum ta'lamuna anni qassartu an shay'in min tablighi risalati rabbi lama akhbartuni thalik O you people, I implore you by Allah, if you know that I have been deficient in conveying anything of the messages of my Lord, will you please inform me of that, for I have conveyed the messages of my Lord as they should be conveyed. And if you know that I have conveyed the messages of my Lord, please inform me of that. Then some men stood up and said, We testify that you have conveyed the messages of your Lord, advised your people and fulfilled what was incumbent upon you. Then he said, أَمَّا بَعْدُ فَإِنَّ رِجَالًا يَزْعُمُونَ أَنَّ كُسُوفَ الشَّمْسِ وَخُسُوفَ هَذَا الْقَمَرِ وَزَوَالَ هَذِهِ النُّجُومِ عَنْ مَطَالِعِهَا لِمَوْتِ رِجَالٍ عُظَمَاءَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ وَإِنَّهُمْ قَدْ كَذَبُوا وَلَكِنَّهَا آيَاتٌ مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى يَعْتَبِرُ بِهَا عِبَادُهُ فَيَنْظُرُ مَنْ يَحْدُثُ لَهُ مِنْهُمْ تَوْبَةٌ وَيْمُ اللَّهِ لَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ مُنذُ قُمْتُ مَا أَنْتُمْ لَاقُوهُ من أمر دنياكم وآخرتكم وإنه والله لا تقوم الساعة حتى يخرج ثلاثون كذابا آخرهم الأعور آخرهم الأعور الدجال ممسوح العين اليسرى كأنها عين أبي تحيا لشيخ حينئذ من الأنصار بينه وبين حجرة عائشة وأنه متى يخرج فسوف يزعم أنه الله فمن آمن به وصدقه واتبعه لم ينفعه صالح من عمله سلف ومن كفر به وكذبه لم يعاقب بسيء من عمله سلف وإنه سيظهر, سيظهر على الأرض كلها إلا الحرم وبيت المقدس وإنه يحصل المؤمنين في بيت المقدس فيزلزلون زلزالا شديدا ثم يهلكه الله عز وجل وجنوده حتى إن جذم الحائط أو قال أصل الحائط أو أصل الشجرة لينادي يا مؤمن يا مسلم هذا يهودي أو قال, أو قال هذا كافر فتعال, فق فتعال فاقتله, فاقتله قال ولن يكون ذلك حتى تروا أمورا يتفاقم شأنها في أنفسكم وتسألون بينكم هل كان نبيكم ذكر لكم منها ذكرى وحتى تزول جبال عن مراتبها ثم على أثر ذلك القبض As for what follows, there are men who claim that the eclipse of the sun and the eclipse of the moon and the setting of the stars from their stations are due to the death of great men on earth but they have lied for they are signs from among the signs of Allah most blessed most high which cause his slaves to reflect and he sees which of them turns to him in repentance by Allah I have seen since I stood here what you will find in the life of this world and in the hereafter and by Allah the hour will not be established until 30 liars have come forth the last of them being the one-eyed al-masih al-dajjal whose left eye will be missing as if it were the eye of Abu Tahya, an old man at that time from the Ansar who lived between the Prophet and the chamber of Aisha anha. And when he appears, he will claim that he is Allah and if anyone has faith in him, believes him and follows him, none of his previous good deeds will benefit him. And whoever disbelieves in him and belies him, he will not be punished for any of his previous sins. He will enter every place in the earth except the sacred precincts, 
i.e. Mecca and Baytul Maqdis, Jerusalem. And he will besiege the believers in Baytul Maqdis and they will be shaken by three powerful earthquakes. Then Allah, the Almighty, the All-Powerful will destroy him and his soldiers. So that even the base of the wall, or he said the foundation of the wall, or the root of the tree, will call, O believer, O Muslim, here is a Jew, or he said a disbeliever, come and kill him. Then he said, and this will not happen until you see things which you will consider most grave. And you will ask each other, did your prophet mention to you any of these things? Even mountains will disappear from their places. After this, the souls will be taken away. It has been narrated from him وسلم, that he performed three or four bowings in each rak'ah or that he performed only one bowing in each rak'ah. But the most knowledgeable of the scholars do not hold this to be correct. In fact, they consider it to be a mistake. And he وسلم, ordered that Allah's name be mentioned, that prayer be performed, that Allah be supplicated and his forgiveness sought and that charity be given and slaves be emancipated. And it has been narrated from him وسلم, that he performed the rain prayer in a number of ways. The first was on Friday on the pulpit during the sermon. The second was when he arranged with people one day to go out to the musalla. And so he went out when the sun rose in a state of humility. And when he reached, reached the musalla, he mounted the pulpit. If the narration is authentic, for one's heart feels some doubt with regard to it. Then And he prayed and thanked Allah and extolled him and made takbir. And a part of what has been preserved from his sermon and his supplication is as follows. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, La ilaha illa Allahu yaf'alu ma yurid. Allahumma anta Allahu la ilaha illa anta taf'alu ma turid. Allahumma anta Allah, Allahumma anta Allahu la ilaha illa anta. Anta al-ghani wa nahnu al-fuqara. Anzil alayna al-ghayth. Waj'al ma anzaltahu alayna quwwatan lana wa balaghan ila hin. All praise and thanks due to Allah, be to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the most beneficent, the most merciful, the owner of the day of judgment, the owner of the day of recompense. None has the right to be worshipped but Allah, and He does as He wills. O Allah, You are Allah, and none has the right to be worshipped except You, and You do as You will. O Allah, You are Allah, and none has the right to be worshipped except You. You are rich, i.e. free of all needs, and we are poor. Send down to us aid and make that which You send down a source of strength and a satisfaction for a time. Then He raised His hands and He he began to humbly speech, beseech Allah and supplicate Him. And He raised His arms so high that the whites of His armpits could be seen. Then He turned His page to the people and faced the Qibla and inverted His rida while still facing the Qibla. And He placed the right side in place of the left and vice versa. And His rida was a black khamisa. He placed Allah, He supplicated Allah facing towards the Qibla and the people did likewise. Then He descended and led them in a two rak'ah prayer like the Eid prayer without an adhan, reciting Surah Al-A'la in the first rak'ah and Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah Al-Ghashiyah in the second. The third was that he supplicated for rain whilst on the pulpit in Al-Madinah at a time other than during the Friday prayers and it has not been reported from him that he offered a prayer at that time. The fourth was that he supplicated for rain while sitting in the mosque, raising his hands and asking Allah, the Almighty, the All-Powerful. The fifth was that he supplicated for rain in al at Ahjar al-Zayt near al-Zawra which is outside the door of the mosque which is today known as Babu salam about a stone's throw to the right outside the mosque the sixth was that he prayed for rain during one of his battles when the polytheist reached the water before him and the Muslims were afflicted by thirst and they complained to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and some of the hypocrites said if he were a prophet he would pray for rain for his people as Moses did for his people 
He was informed of this, so he said, أَوَقَدْ قَالُوهَا عَسَى رَبُّكُمْ أَنْ يَسْقِيَكُمْ Did they say this? Perhaps your Lord will give you water to drink. Then he spread out his hands and supplicated, and he did not lower his hands until clouds shaded them, and, re- and it rained upon them. And he, was, he was given succor every time he asked for it. On one occasion, he prayed for rain, and Abu Lubaba stood up and said, O Messenger of Allah, the dates are in Al-Marabid. So he said, Allahumma sqina hatta yaquma Abu Lubabata uriyana, fayasudda tha'laba mirbadihi bi'izadih. O oh Allah, give us water until Abu Lubaba stands naked and closes up the hole in, in his mirbad with his izar. And it rained and the people gathered around Abu Lubaba and said, It will not stop until you stand naked, so stop up the hole in your mirbad with your izar. As the Messenger of Allah said, He did so and the rain stopped. And when the rain became, became too much, they asked him وسلم, to ask Allah to clear away the rain clouds. And he did so, saying, Allahumma hawalayna wa la alayna, Allahumma ala al-dhirab, wal-akami wal-jibal, wa butooni al-awdiyah, wa manabiti al-shajar. O Allah, around us and not upon us, O Allah. On the plateaus, on the mountains, on the hills, at the bottom of the valleys, and on the places where trees grow. Whenever he saw rain, he would say, Sayyiban nafi'ah, O Allah, let it be useful rain. And he would remove his garments so that the rain wet him. When he was asked about this, he said, Because it has just come from its Lord. As Shafi'i said, one, one whose reliability I do not doubt informed me on the authority of Yazid ibn, ibn, ibn al-Had that whenever flood waters flowed, the Prophet would say, Come out with us to that which Allah has made a means of purification for us And we shall purify ourselves with it and praise and thank Allah for it And he said On whose reliability I do not doubt informed me On the authority of Ishaq ibn Abdullah That when flood waters flowed Umar radiallahu anhu would go with his companions to it and say None passed by us except that which that we washed him with it and when the Prophet wasallam saw clouds and wind, it could be seen in his face, and he would become anxious, and when it rained, he would be relieved, and it was because he feared that there would be a punishment in it. Barakallahu uh, feek, Akhi al-Kareem, wa jazakallahu khayran. Tayyib, bismillahirrahmanirrahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. So that is our reading thus far, um, extremely enlightening walillahi alhamd um, inshallah there's some comments regarding the narrations uh, we'll come to uh, those comments uh, in due time some of the narrations cited um, have weakness in them and um, they actually go against um, other narrations that are more authentic such as the hadith of uh, Dajjal um, where the narration says that um, uh, the, uh, the Dajjal won't enter uh, Mecca and Bayt al-Maqdis meaning Jerusalem uh, that hadith has weakness uh, because the hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari actually uh, states that the Dajjal will not enter Mecca and Medina and the inhabitants of Medina rather will be made to shake uh, three times. So um, there, there, there are some weaknesses. Also the, the latest hadith or the hadith towards the end um, regarding um, uh, the person who was... Uh, um, or during during our reading regarding rain, uh, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam advised him uh, 
or when, when, when it was said, Oh Allah, give us water until Abu Lubaba stands naked and closes up the hole in his mirbad with his izar. Uh, mirbad uh, refers to um, the place that dates, dates uh, are placed on so that the dates can become dry. Right? So this is um, a word that you find in the books of fiqh as well, especially under the discussion of uh, matters pertaining to, to, to dates. This hadith is weak. Uh, this hadith um, uh, um, that we've just cited, the hadith uh, which states or which mentions Abu Lubaba. Um, in any case, inshallah, uh, we will traverse uh, through these pages ta'ala, in due course. Um, there was a question that came in um, regarding you know, the differences of opinion and why we have these differences of opinion. Obviously, uh, I have said that this class or any reading in this class is to uh, ensure that we become enlightened. Um, and we're not going to dive into differences of opinion. However, the, the question is a good one, um, as it does serve us or serve the purpose of enlightened uh, or becoming enlightened. Um, so, why are there differences of opinion when you know we have the Quran and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Now, this discussion about why differences of opinion exist between the, the scholars uh, is a very long one, and there's uh, different reasons uh, coming about. Uh, through different spectrums, so it's not that you know we have uh, different reasons in, uh, from one angle of discussion. Rather, um, there's several angles of discussion, and each angle consists of different reasons. So we have a linguistic angle, uh, we have uh, a principles of deduction angle, uh, we have uh, the nature of the scholar himself or herself angle, right? And uh, under these, there's uh, several topics of discussion. It's a very long discussion, my dear brothers and sisters. Okay, uh, the reasons why uh, the scholars uh, differ. Uh, however, however, uh, the scholars have agreed that any uh, jurisprudic or jurisprudence deduction uh, that comes uh, from the different recognized means of deduction with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in. So we're talking about either using uh, the way of Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu uh, anhu uh, or the way of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu in Iraq. And, and when we say Ibn Mas'ud, we mean Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu and Ali radiallahu anhu. And obviously they took from Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Uh, and then we have uh, the school uh, of um, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma and Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu an in Medina. Uh, these are all reputable, reputable uh, schools of deducing uh, fiqh opinions. Uh, one of the things that I'll just say very quickly, if we just look at the last point that I said, uh, the, the last angle, which is the character of, of a person. Um, if you just look, for example, when the Prophet wasallam after Badr, when uh, he did shura and uh, spoke to Abu Bakr an and Umar an, and uh, he asked them and said, look, um, what should we do? So Abu Bakr had an ijtihad and Umar had an ijtihad. And both ijtihads were based on concepts that the Sharia has come with. Right? Um, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he was of the opinion that these captives be ransomed. And Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, was upon the opinion that a sword be given to the closest Muslim relative of the captive. And that Muslim relative executes the captive. 
um, showing no allegiance to anyone else but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Rasul. Right? So these were two rulings. Right? Um, or should we say two um, types of ijtihad or two types of reasoning regarding this particular matter um, that was presented to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa now if you look at the, the, the reasoning of Abu Bakr, it conforms to what the Sharia has come with. Because Abu Bakr was, was uh, reasoning uh, based on the fact that their properties were taken when they were, when they were kicked out of, uh, of, of Mecca. And Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an was uh, prov- uh, you know, provided a reasoning based on uh, the concept of al-wala and al-bara which is uh, allegiance to Allah and His Rasul, and uh, disassociation from those who um, d- disobey Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Right? And that's why he, he mentioned, give it to the closest relative, to prove that this iman is in its place. Right? Um, so, uh, so, so these were two types of reasonings presented to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And uh, if you look at the nature or character of, of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, it's not strange that uh, he took this path in uh, coming up with his ruling. And if you look at the character of Abu Bakr who was uh, more forthcoming or known to be more forthcoming, then um, it's not strange that Abu Bakr uh, used this path of reasoning to present his view to the Prophet So character really um, has uh, a place. Um, and that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us, is human nature, right? So human nature has a role to play as well, as you can see from this very clear example, um, in how two different views can come about, but both views are built upon uh, established foundations in the sharia, because if you look at what Abu Bakr radiallahu chose to base his ruling upon, it's established, and if you look at what Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu chose to base his ruling upon, it's established as well. Right, but one's character uh, chose him to pursue uh, a particular establishment, and another character, um, I, I don't, you know, we could even say subconsciously chose him to pursue uh, another uh, valid establishment for deducing Islamic rulings from. So, uh, I just want you to understand that it is an intricate topic, and it's 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 not that we should oversimplify things and say, you know, it's it's one Quran, one Sunnah, uh, one Prophet, uh, and so on and so forth, and. Um, you know, how can we have all these different rulings, right? Um, so, this is just one example. Also, in terms, you know, when I talk about, uh, the, you know, the school of uh, Ibn Mas'ud and Ali radiallahu anhu, and the school of uh, uh, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma and Zaid ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu, uh, then what I mean by this is also, um, you know, the, uh, the, some scholars from the Sahaba, um, they... Um, had this confidence in looking at the meanings of text a bit more than others. Whilst others from the companions, they were happy uh, to stick to the apparent um, meaning that was being presented by the text. Right? So this is uh, two different methodologies here. Two different uh, methodologies. 
right? Uh, so for and and this happened at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. For example, when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told the companions to not, meaning not to pray salatul asr until they reach Banu Qurayza, right? So Banu Qurayza they broke the covenant that they had with the Muslims, right? And Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent uh, the Muslims to surround them. And, he, and the Prophet ﷺ said, don't pray Salatul Asr until you get there. Now whilst they were on their way, rushing there, uh, the sun was setting. So some of the companions said, we have to pray Salatul Asr. And some other companions said, no, we don't pray Salatul Asr today until we get there. Meaning, today Salatul Asr, or the time for Salatul Asr is attached to a place, not to a time. Whilst the other said, no, 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 it's attached to the time still and not to the place. So one group said, no, it's attached to the place because the Prophet ﷺ said, do not pray Salatul Asr until you get there. The other companions said, no, 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 don't look at the apparentness of the text, look at the meaning of the text. The Prophet ﷺ was charging us to rush there. That's what he meant when he said, don't pray until you get there. He didn't mean that today Salatul Asr happens only when you get there. He's meaning rush there in such a way that you get there before the time of Salatul Asr ends. You see? So they took, uh, they understood the text of the Prophet ﷺ or had the confidence and, and methodology of understanding this text of Rasulullah ﷺ in light of other texts. For example, where uh, the Prophet ﷺ taught them to always pray salah on time. So they saying, he's always told us to pray on time, and today he's given us this instruction. We have to understand this instruction in light of other instruction. Right? And they came up with a ruling. The other scholars, they said, no, we got to look at the apparentness of this um, uh, text. Right? Um, uh, so, uh, be- those who went with the apparentness of the Prophet ﷺ's instruction, they didn't pray until they got there. And those who, un- who took into consideration context of all the different instructions of the Prophet ﷺ, they prayed their Salatul Asr. So there was a difference of opinion. And when they met the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ did not um, say any one of them was wrong because each one of them practiced an ijtihad. They practiced a methodology of reasoning. And both methodologies were built upon following the instruction of the Prophet ﷺ. Right, so as you can see, uh, you know, there's two different methodologies, and these methodologies advanced in the era of the Tabi'een, then the Atba' at Tabi'een, uh, adding to that, uh, you know, differences of uh, demographics or geographical locations, because Medina is different to Iraq, and Ibn Mas'ud and Ali radiAllahu anhum ajma'in were based in Iraq, and Iraq became the Muslim headquarters. And most of the Sahaba were in Medina. So uh, Medina had more narrations than Iraq of the Prophet ﷺ. Also Iraq was the headquarters and, and, and Iraq was responsible for all the other lands that were coming under Muslim rule. Right? So Iraq had fiqh uh, matters to deal with that Medina did not have. Right? And also there were different sensitivities that... 
uh, Iraq had to deal with that Medina did not have. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a complex discussion. It's a complex discussion. Um, however, I hope um, you enlightened about this, that there's several other factors, that there's several other factors that come into play. Um, however, as long as the methodology of deduction is based on the established methodologies with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in, and in particular, uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhum, and Zaid ibn Thabit, uh, Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhum, and uh, Ali radiallahu anhum, and, and Mu'adh uh, ibn um, Jabal radiallahu anhum ajma'in, as long as it's based on what the scholars cite as these are uh, established principles of deduction and, and, and uh, deducing fiqh rulings um, upon, then alhamdulillah, uh, this is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the ummah. And all this, my dear brothers and sisters, really um, is um, evidence to show how relevant the sharia will always be until the day of qiyamah. That's a fact. So our rich fiqh, uh, heritage is not something that's logged in history, right? It's not something that's logged in history, um, you know, without, uh, and we'd be proud of it because it's something from history that the world never saw. No, it's something from history that the world didn't see, and it's something that applies now, and something that the world will never see, and something that will be relevant till the day of Qiyamah, right? Uh, because the, the, our Sharia is so robust in providing the base principles that uh, these base principles uh, remain applicable until the end of time. And why not? It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how everything will be till uh, the day of Qiyamah. The different situations, the different uh, circumstances and sensitivities. Uh, alhamdulillah. And, and this fiqh is not based on uh, the mind of a person or the mind of a group of people. It is based on revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and no doubt fiqh can only be fiqh if it's based upon uh, the Quran and the Sunnah. If it's based upon the view of a person purely in and of himself, then that's not called fiqh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. Um, uh, there's a question here saying, Assalamu alaikum, does it also have to do with how some scholars deduce rulings in, in light of other rulings? Yes, this is what we're discussing. Uh, this is what we are discussing. But um, we must understand that fiqh is only fiqh if it's based upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. It's not uh, a scholar pulling out a view from his pocket or her pocket. Um, there's a real science to it. So um, it's incorrect to oversimplify the discussion and say there's one Qur'an, one prophet, one Sunnah. Why uh, do we have all these opinions? And then start, uh, we, you know, and start opening a door for shaitan to make us doubt. Um, ourselves and our belief and our religion because of the differences of opinion between the scholars. Uh, rather, these differences of opinion that don't go, uh, sorry, that are based upon the Quran and the Sunnah, they, 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 they offer a, a, um, a way of ease really for the Ummah. A way of ease really for the Ummah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So that's the answer to the question. I felt it was an important one to highlight, especially since, you know, we are reading uh, different views here, even in the summary. Um, and because we said that we're not going to discuss each view, uh, because then this will really become uh, a fiqh session. Um, and obviously this is beyond the scope of this particular classroom and beyond the scope of the people in the class today uh, as well. And, and, and obviously not just today, but what I mean is, uh, you know, 
uh, as the people that make up the class as a whole. This is uh, beyond uh, your ability because there's a lot of foundational knowledge we would need to take before we start diving into matters pertaining to the difference of, differences of opinion between the scholars. Uh, in any circumstance, uh, I pray this answer has shed uh, some valuable light and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now, um, if we just contemplate our reading, then we've covered the guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with regards to Friday, with regards to the day of Eid, with regards to uh, the eclipse prayer, and with regards to the rain prayer. And um, inshallah, uh, the lessons coming up will entail the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's guidance during travel. Um, inshallah, uh, also for those who are asking, our last Zad session, our last provisions session um, for this semester will be the 2nd of January, uh, ta'ala. Okay, the 2nd of January, ta'ala, and then inshallah, we will resume, resume lessons in 2016 um, from the 13th of February, from the 13th of February, uh, until um, the first week or so of May. Um, but more light will be shed um, regarding our end date for the second semester a little bit later. Uh, but for now, just mark these dates, okay? So our last Zad is uh, 2nd of January for this semester, and then we will resume um, uh, next semester in 2016, ta'ala, um, on the 13th of uh, February, inshallah. I have um, a long da'wah trip coming up uh, to uh, Malaysia and the United Arab Emirates. Um, uh, there'll be a small program in Oman as well and um, uh, Qatar, Doha, uh, ta'ala, um, from the 2nd of January till uh, around the, the, the 10th or 12th of um, uh, February. So I will be out uh, during our break period, so that won't affect anything, inshallah. I will be back uh, in Riyadh, inshallah, uh, for, th- uh, for the 13th lesson. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us life and preserve us in His obedience. Ameen. Ameen. And grant us good health um, and increase our knowledge. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Okay, um, so the day of Jumu'ah, the day of Jumu'ah. Um, the day of Jumu'ah, my dear brothers and sisters, um, indeed is a special day. Uh, it's the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed uh, this ummah with. Uh, in the narration of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu uh, and Hudayfah radiallahu anhu, they say that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Allah let those who came before us away from Friday. Right? The Jews had Saturday and the Christians had Sunday. Then Allah brought us and Allah guided us to Friday. So there is Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And thus they will follow us on the day of resurrection. We are the last of the people of this world, but we will be the first on the day of resurrection, and we will be dealt with before all others. This hadith is in Sahih Muslim. Um, now, what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa meant when he says they will, they will follow us on the day of resurrection, it means uh, that... Uh, the day of or we know from other narrations that the day of qiyamah will happen on a friday right so everyone will follow uh, the ummah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam on a friday because that's the end of of time in terms of this life and um 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, um, he, in another narration, he said, أَفْضَلُ يَوْمٍ طَلَعَتْ عَلَيْهِ الشَّمْسِ يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَ فِيهِ خُلِقَ آدَمْ وَفِيهِ أُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةِ وَفِيهِ أُخْرِجَ مِنْهَا وَلَا تَقُمُ السَّاعَةَ إِلَّا فِي يَوْمِ الْجُمُعَةِ uh, he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the best day upon which the sun rises is the day of Jumu'ah. It's a hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu in Sahih Muslim as well. Um, the best day upon which the sun rises is the day of Jumu'ah. On this day Allah created Adam and on this day he entered him into paradise and on this day he removed him from paradise. And the coming of the hour will not happen except on the day of Jumu'ah. So this is what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. Um, and the last part of this hadith um, mentions that the coming of the hour will not happen on, on the day of, of Jumu'ah, right? So this explains um, the earlier discussion about they will follow us on the day of resurrection. The day of resurrection will be on a Friday. And uh, in the first narration that we just uh, discussed, we see benefits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the ummah, that we are the last of the people of this world, will be the, but we will be the first on the day of resurrection. Yes, this ummah will be first to enter Jannah. And this ummah will be the first to go through the questioning process. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that easy for us. In fact, may Allah grant us Jannah without any questioning. I mean... Um, so this uh, teaches us a lot of the, the, the blessings and benefits of uh, the day of Jumu'ah uh, in the life of uh, a believer. And uh, that is why Rasulullah wasallam venerated this day, respected this day, uh, the special sunnah pertaining to this day, because this day is indeed special. Allah has made it special for the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's a day for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's a day for the followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that excitement has to be there. That excitement has to be there, like you know how we are excited on the day of Eid. In fact, in a narration, in a narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us that um, uh, the day of Friday has been made the day of Eid in the week of a Muslim. So we do have a day of Eid every day during our week. Right? And that is Friday. And that's why if you p- contemplate, you will see many of the Sunnah acts you know, on the day of Eid, they are practiced on Friday, or Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam practiced them on Friday, such as the bathing, wearing of the best clothes, wearing of the, you know, the, the, uh, the itar and the perfume, right? Um, these, these are acts that, you know, we normally attribute to the day of Eid, right? And yes, the day of Jumu'ah is the day of Eid, but in the week of a believer. Um, so it's, it comes as no surprise really, my dear brothers and sisters, that, you know, um, Friday is, is special. And Aus uh, ibn Aus radiallahu he narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, the best of your days is Friday. On that day, uh, Adam alayhi salam was created, and on that day he died, and on that day the trumpet will be blown. And on that day all of creation will soon, Right? So send a great deal of blessings upon me, for your blessings will be shown to me. They said, O Messenger of Allah, how will our blessings upon you be shown to you when you have turned to dust? He said, Allah has forbidden the earth to consume the bodies of the prophets. Peace and blessings be upon them. And this hadith has been classed as uh, authentic by several scholars of hadith.
So we learn from this hadith that from the etiquettes on the day of Jumu'ah is to increase sending salutations upon the Prophet And you know, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, we study for our exams because we want the greatest marks. Nobody wants to settle for uh, fewer marks, we want to settle for greater marks because our parents are going to see our results, right? Um, for example, um, you know, uh, I apologize for that, Hisham. Um, I apologize for that. Bismillah. Let me just. Uh, all right. So, uh, I actually uh, pressed the mouse and it affected the whiteboard. Uh, please forgive me there. Um, coming back to the point that we were just saying, um, if we knew that uh, you know our presentation will be presented to the people we love, indeed we will increase. We will increase and ensure. Uh, that it's the best and the most, right? It's the best and the most. So can you imagine, right, now Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, your salutations upon me will be presented to me, right? So who wants to be presenting a handful of presentations when others are presenting a thousand, when others are presenting ten thousand, when others are presenting... I think you get the picture, my dear brothers and sisters, right? We love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And on this day, he's telling us that your salutations will be presented to me. Right? So, what sort of presentation do you want to present? Do you want to present a mediocre, a weak, a poor? Or do you want to uh, present an abundant, rich, diligent uh, presentation? That, you know, when it's presented to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as a gift from so-and-so from your ummah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or it's, it, it, it's considered a worthy uh, presentation. So, we must increase our salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the day of Friday, my dear brothers and sisters, right? Um, and that's why even in the Jummah Khutbah, you, you find the Khatib, um, he will... Uh, mentioned to us that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inna Allah wa malaika tahu yusalluna ala nabi indeed Allah and his angels yusallun they send salutations upon the messenger right ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima that oh you people who believe send salutations and uh, uh, greetings upon uh, the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so this is an advice from the pulpit on the day of Jumu'ah on the day of Jumu'ah, because uh, this is from uh, the etiquettes that a Muslim must practice on the day of Jumu'ah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, Also, um, it must be said, and this is just a discussion of the scholars, that the day of Jumu'ah is not... Um, it, you know, is it special because Adam salam was created on that day and entered into Jannah on that day? Uh, the scholars say these are historical facts that are, are attached to the day. But the day of Jumu'ah is valuable and special because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose it. And uh, we discussed this in the earlier sessions of Zad. Wallahu yakhluku ma yasha'u wa yakhtar. That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, creates what He wills and he chooses and gives a precedence to that which he wills over other things. This is from the, this is Allah subhanahu wa taala's choosing, right? لا يسأل عما يفعل وهم يسألون. Nobody questions Allah subhanahu wa taala about what He does. However, everybody else will be questioned about what they used to do. So uh, Friday is special because Allah subhanahu wa taala uh, chose uh, this day of Friday and. 
it, so it, it, it also happens to be that on this day there were amazing historical events that took place and an amazing event will take place. From the historical events is the creation of our father Adam alayhi salam. May Allah gather us with him in Jannah. Ameen. And on this day the day of Qiyamah will come as well. So we should take heed my dear brothers and sisters and look after the day of Friday. Um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from uh, the difficulties that come with death and the difficulties that come with the day of Qiyamah. If we are diligent with the day of Friday, um, and the day of Qiyamah happens to be, then inshallah we are upon a good way, my dear brothers and sisters. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good setting, because that means that you met Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, whilst having a good worship habit uh, on the day that Qiyamah will fall upon, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. Now, um, we've also seen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the Muslim ummah this day. And in other narrations, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa has actually explained that um, the people before us, or the people of the book before us, they will actually envy us. They will actually envy us um, because of this day, my dear brothers and sisters. We will be envied because of this Friday that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Right? Uh, so they will envy this day. And this is upon the tongue of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and that's no doubt true. Yes, today uh, re- uh, religiosity uh, is very low in terms of presence. So it doesn't, people are not bothered. We, the Christians don't respect their day. Um, uh, the Orthodox Jews or those who practice uh, Judaism, they respect um, you know, their Saturday. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, the Muslims having a Friday on a, on, in terms of the overall scale of the world that we see today is not a big deal because religiosity uh, is low. But indeed to those who do have this concept of religiosity, uh, then they will envy uh, the believers uh, for this Friday that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And uh, everyone will envy this day on the day of Qiyamah, this day of Friday. Because it will be, the sorry, uh, on the day of Qiyamah, yes. Because they will see that this is the day that Allah has chosen to end everything. And this is the most special day for the Muslims. And the haqq and truth will become apparent to them. So no doubt they will envy this Friday that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Now, uh, in terms of um, actions, then actions are definitely suited to um, you know, the intensity of um, you know, the, the level of virtuousness that we um, find attached to a, a certain thing, in this case, uh, Friday. So on Friday, for example, we see Salatul Jumu'ah. And Salatul Jumu'ah does not exist on any other day of the week except Friday. And in terms of comparing Salat, uh, the day of Friday to the day of Eid, and in terms of Friday being uh, Eid in, the, in our week, uh, then uh, we see that, subhanAllah, on Eid day, we have a gathering of the Ummah, for two units of prayer and for a khutbah. And the same applies on a Friday. We see a gathering of the ummah for two units of prayer and a khutbah. And when I say a gathering of the ummah, we know Salatul Jumu'ah has to be prayed in a gathering. It can't be prayed individually. Um, And the same applies for Salatul Eid. It's done uh, with the ummah together with the imam. Right? Um, Without diving into some of the views of the scholars, uh, this is the reality with uh, these two salawat. So we have the day of Jumu'ah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Jumu'ah, O you who believe, when the call is proclaimed for the salah, meaning for the prayer on Friday, then come to the remembrance of Allah, um, and 
uh, the remembrance of Allah means the khutbah and the salah, of course, and leave off your business and, and, and by default every other thing that will keep you busy and away from the salah. Allah says, ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ That that is better for you if you did indeed know. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in respect in, in, in teaching us how to respect the salah and respect the day of Jumu'ah, uh, the sharia has made forbidden trade. Right? Trade um, during this time. During the, the, the time. From the time the adhan is made. When, I, when we say the adhan, we mean the adhan that announces the khutbah as starting. Not the adhan that happens an hour or so uh, before Jumu'ah, uh, which came about at the time of Uthman radiallahu an. But rather the adhan when the khatib ascends the mimbar. And uh, then the adhan is called. From here onwards, sale is forbidden. In fact, in, uh, in the Hanbali Madhab, for example, and according to some of the scholars, uh, the trade is invalid. It's not that the trade is valid and you're sinful. No, the whole trade is invalid. Which means you've got to give the product back to the salah and you take your money from, from uh, the salah. So the buyer gets his money back, the salah gets his product back. Because the entire sale is void, according to the Hanbalis and, and some of the scholars, right? Um, so that's how seriously they've considered this instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah al, al- in, in, um, in Surah Al-Jumu'ah. And also we have an entire surah in the Quran named Surah Al-Jumu'ah. And this is also from the matters that teach us how amazing uh, the day of Jumu'ah is. Right? Um, and this is the day indeed for, for the Muslims. And... Um, With regards to uh, this special day, I actually had some thought in my mind, but it, it escaped me, subhanAllah. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our thoughts, ameen. But moving on, with regards to this day, uh, in Sahih Muslim, we have a hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, in which uh, he said, radiallahu an, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the five daily prayers and from one Jumu'ah to the next is an expiation for whatever sins comes in between them, so long as one does not commit a major sin. So this is another uh, virtuous uh, detail uh, attached to the day of Jumu'ah. For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that one Jumu'ah to the next Jumu'ah is a means of expiation of our minor sins. So a person who is const- consistent with Jumu'ah for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then uh, these consecutive Jumu'ahs are a means of, our, uh, of us becoming forgiven, subhanallah. So this is how amazing the day of Jumu'ah is. Right, uh, but please note the statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam: as long as one does not commit any major sin, because as we have said previously, this requires tawbah. Tawbah is required uh, for you to be forgiven for uh, a major sin. Also, my dear brothers and sisters, in terms of the virtuous aspects of of this day, um, we are taught that praying fajr in congregation on Fridays is the best prayer that the Muslim can pray during the entire week. Right? Because Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, he says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, the best prayer before Allah is Fajr prayer on Friday in congregation. Right? Uh, and um, some of the scholars of hadith have cited this hadith as authentic. So, uh, Fajr in congregation. If, if you can't go to the masjid every day, the masjid is far, then make an effort at least on the day of Jumu'ah to go to the masjid and observe uh, Salatul Jumu'ah in congregation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. Ameen. Um, also, um, from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the Fajr prayer, is to recite Surah Sajdah in the first unit of prayer. 
And we know that Surah Sajda has um, a, a sujood, or, or what we call Sajda Tilawa, or Sujood Tilawa, right? Which is the prostration of recitation. So this Fajr prayer, uh, if one prays this Surah, then this Fajr prayer will have that extra sujood. So this again adds to um, the virtuous matters uh, on this day of Jumu'ah. So really nobody wants to be left behind, my dear brothers and sisters. This is where you know, we need to be pushing and everyone is saying that, look, uh, to this, this is a, a, a day of ghanimah. Right, um, or we can call it the al ghanimatul barida, as we would say in the Arabic language, the the cold spoils of war, meaning uh, the, the the benefits you get with with so much ease. There's no difficulty in it. There's some benefits you get because you have to put such a great effort, right? But just going for Jumu'ah for Fajr in congregation on the day of Jumu'ah, if the Imam decides to to read Surah Sajda, you're getting benefit after benefit without even you know practicing much effort. And, and, and as we always say, you can never quantify uh, the benefits that the Sharia um, uh, sets and places. Alhamdulillah, you can't put a monetary value on it, my dear brothers and sisters. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. Ameen. Uh, also, my dear brothers and sisters, um, one of the wisdoms that the scholars have cited as to why, um, or should I add to this, that in terms of what the Prophet ﷺ also used to recite in Fajr on Friday, um, he used to recite, uh, recite Surah Al-Insan, or Surah Al-Dahar. هَلْ أَتَى عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ حِينٌ مِّنَ الدَّهَرِ Right? Um, in it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is uh, mentioning um, mankind and references mankind from the beginning of mankind's time. So some of the scholars such as Al-Hafid ibn Hajar and others, they say one of the, the, the wisdoms or reasons why uh, Surah Sajdah and Surah Al-Insan are recited on Friday at Fajr, uh, as was the practice of Rasulullah wasallam, was because they mention, or is because they mention the creation of Adam, right? Adam salam, and what will happen on the day of Qiyamah, uh, because that will come to pass on a Friday. Right? So if you look at uh, these surahs, uh, Surah Sajda and Surah Al-Insan, um, it references the beginning of time and it references the end of time. This is a reality. Right? And Adam salam was created on a Friday, which marks the beginning of mankind. Um, and uh, the day of Qiyamah will happen on a Friday, which marks the end of mankind's time on earth. Or the end of this life. Right? Because after the day of Qiyamah comes, we only have the life of the hereafter. There's no dunya and akhirah. There's only akhirah. There's, there's only the hereafter. So subhanAllah, look how, um, you know, if you ponder over this in terms you know, of education and looking at it from a, t- a teaching perspective, you know, we see how thoughtful Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was. You know, today we look at lesson plans. That how relevant is the, the action in class to the objectives of the curriculum. And um, look at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam choosing to revise Surah Al-Dahar and Surah Al-Insan at the, you know, at the opening of, of the day of Jumu'ah. There's an objective here. It wasn't just done uh, as a random act. It was done with great wisdom. Right? So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the beginning of the day of Jumu'ah is exciting us about this day. Is making us thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that look, the day of Qiyamah is going to be on this day. Apply yourself. Look, 
Allah has forgiven you from the last Friday to this Friday. It's another Friday. So don't lose hope in Allah. Look, this day was the first day mankind was created. Our father Adam alayhi salam. It's the first day of the journey of human beings being a human being on the face of this earth. Take into consideration all these things. Use this day to understand that there's purpose to the life that you live. There's an end. There's a grave. There's a questioning in the grave. All these things are taught to us by Surah Sajda, taught to us by, by Surah Al-Insan. There's a hereafter. In Surah Al-Insan, there's amazing descriptions of Jannah. Right? Uh, and, and how people will be enjoying in Jannah. So, uh, you know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa by reciting these surahs is also enticing us because we as human beings um, become motivated through enticement. If we are enticed, and we become motivated. And if we're motivated, we apply ourselves. It's amazing. Wallahi. It's amazing. So my dear brothers and sisters, you don't want to miss the next Jumu'ah in congregation. And you want to try and, and look for a masjid that, you know, frequents the recitation of Surah Al-Dahr, uh, Surah Sajda and Surah Al-Dahr um, on a Friday morning. Now this doesn't mean that you have to decide these two surahs every Friday morning. No, you can do it. Uh, you should do it many times and leave it sometimes, as the scholars say. Right? So recite it as in as many Fridays as you can and leave it in... in, in uh, uh, some Fridays, so people understand that it's not a condition from the conditions of Fajr on the day of, of Jumu'ah uh, to recite these two surahs. And the other thing you want to do, my dear brothers and sisters, is um, you want to um, take a good translation of these two surahs and read it and ponder over it and visit your scholars and ask them to explain to you the meanings of these surahs. Uh, so that on the day of Friday, it becomes a worthy lesson for you all, a worthy point of revision uh, for you all, right? Um, and, none the, and we are always in need of reminders, and wallahi, the best reminders come from the Qur'an, and imagine if the Qur'an is reminding you in your salah. How amazing is that, my dear brothers and sisters? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. Um, moving forward, my dear brothers and sisters, Some of the scholars, some of the scholars have cited as authentic another hadith, um, and that's the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr, and he said that the messenger of, of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that there is no Muslim who dies during the day of Friday or the night of Friday, except that Allah will protect him from the trial of the grave. Right? So uh, this hadith is specific to a Muslim, and uh, some of the scholars have cited this hadith as uh, authentic, although um, the hadith is uh, disputed, but according to the views of the scholars, that this hadith is authentic, that this is a great virtue, right? For a Muslim, especially if this Muslim dies on a Thursday night or on a Friday, may Allah subhanahu wa taala grant us uh, a virtuous death. Amin. Uh, a death of the people of Istiqama. Amin. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa taala cause us to die when angels from Jannah descend upon us. Amin. Uh, this is very important that we make these special du'as, my dear brothers and sisters, because death is coming. There's no doubt about it. You know, today, uh, yes, death is not something we want, but today, subhanAllah, we, we don't even want to think about death, when, especially when thinking about it is good for us. So we don't want to think about death, we don't want to speak about death, we don't want to hear about death, you know. Um, confronting your fears only grows you. Only grows you. So, um... We need to be confront our fears by thinking about death, by remembering death, by uh, doing what we need to for the day that we die, by making dua about these matters. Because the fact that no one can deny is everything comes with an expiration date from the time it comes into being. 
I dare you to find me anything besides the Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that does not have an expiration date on it. Right? Um, obviously, besides that which Allah has uh, said will never end, like Jannah and Jahannam. So, tell me my dear brothers and sisters, right? We all have expiry dates. You know, I could be talking to you right now, in two minutes time, I could be passing away. Same thing could happen to any one of us. This is a fact. We don't know the proximity of the angel of death uh, from us. And also, uh, the angel of death is excellent in execution. The angel of death does not cause us to die one second early or one second late. That's how amazing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this angel. Irrespective of the place of the person on earth, irrespective of how many people have to die at the same time, in the different places on earth. This is the power that Allah has given the angel of death. It does its job with, you know, uh, excellence, with excellence in terms of execution, with what we call today military precision, right? But obviously it's even more precise than that, right? This is how it is. This is how it is. Um, There was one uh, story I came across. Um, It's a weak narration, but just to, uh, subhanallah, it, it sort of uh, jolts the imagination. It, 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 it states that uh, Sulaiman alayhi salam, he had this uh, minister that was very beloved to him. And also this person was beloved to um, his father, meaning Sulaiman's father, Dawood alayhi salam. So a long time family friend and somebody well respected. And uh, this minister went to a distant land to, uh, to stay in. And suddenly this minister started seeing this, um, you know, seeing someone following him. Strange person. Always in places where this minister is. So this minister wrote to Sulaiman and said that this is, obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed uh, much of the creation under the control of Sulaiman alayhi salam. Sulaiman alayhi salam even had the wind um, uh, you know, under his control, you know, the morning breeze would transfer you the distance of a month's travel, and the the evening breeze would transfer you the distance of a month's travel. Allahu Akbar. So you could you could do the distance of one month's travel in a morning, right? Um, in an instant, right? Subhanallah. So Sulaiman alayhi salam explained to this person and said, look. This is the angel of death. So, this minister said, told Sulaiman that, look, can you cause the wind to take me to the furthest part of the earth, the most distant part of the earth, away from uh, where I am right now and where this, this person is right now, or this being is right now. So, Sulaiman moved him. Right? All the way to the other end. So extremely far. So, um, uh, Sulaiman alayhi salam then uh, spoke to this angel of death and said, So, what's your story? Uh, Why are you strangely, you know, watching this guy? Uh, And um, this angel of death said, I I was in total shock and and amazement. So, Sulaiman alayhi salam said, Why? Uh, he says, because uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded me to take the life of this person at the other end of the earth, but I'm amazed that he's, he's here right now. <laughs> right? That his time is coming up 
but he's, he's here, but Allah is commanding me to take his life somewhere else. So I was, I was trying to figure, I was looking at him strangely, that how on earth is this going to happen? <laughs> right? Uh, subhanallah. Right? And uh, obviously, Sulaiman salam's wind took this person from one end to the other end in a split second, and his death happened where he ended up. So the command was for this person's life to be taken where the wind of Sulaiman would, re- would, would reach with this person. But obviously this person was so far away from the destination. So the angel of death kept watching him strangely that, you know, you, you haven't started a journey, you haven't started moving, the time is ticking. How on earth is this going to happen? We are going to take your life over there when you're still here. Ala kulli hal. Obviously it's, 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 uh, it's a narration that has come uh, across um, and there's weakness in it. But nonetheless there's ibrah, there's a lesson in it. I think you would all agree, subhanallah. Right? How amazing, wallahi, this, the, the angel of death is and the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So we must make dua time and time again, my dear brothers and sisters, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, you know, uh, looks after us when we die. Only Allah can look after us. Wallahi, there's nothing that can look after us. Only Allah can look after us. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There's no power, no might except from Allah. Always ask Allah, Ya Allah, you take care of me when I die. You take care. And we ask Allah to take care of us all the time. All the time. Because really, there's no better caretaker than Allah subhanahu uh, wa ta'ala. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. Uh, in another narration, my, my dear brothers and sisters, in our discussion regarding the virtues of the day of Jumu'ah, Abu Hurairah radiallahu uh, mentions that um, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that um, whoever does ghusl and then comes to Jumu'ah and then prays as much as Allah decrees for him, then listens attentively until the khutbah is over, then prays with him, meaning the imam, after the khutbah, meaning prays the salatul Jumu'ah, then this person will be forgiven between that and the next Jumu'ah and three more days. Subhanallah. So in, a, in the previous narration, it said that from one Jumu'ah to the next Jumu'ah is a means of expiation for the minusins. In this narration, it says whoever does all this, then this person will be forgiven um, for, uh, you know, from, from the week before to the next, um, uh, to the next Jumu'ah plus three more days. Now, the scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim, they say that uh, what is meant by this, that he's, he, that he's forgiven between the two Jumu'ahs and three more days, is that a good deed is uh, worth ten deeds, or ten like it. So he will be rewarded with ten hasana for each of the good deeds that he did on Friday. So some uh, of the scholars said what is meant by um, what is in between the two Jumu'ahs is from Jumu'ah prayer and the khutbah until the same time on the following Friday. Right, so the same Jumu'ah and Khutbah on the following Friday, so that will entail seven days, and then if you add three days to the seven, it becomes ten days. Right, so um, you do a good act, right, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala multiplies the benefit ten times. So this is what the scholars have said. So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is saying seven days because from this Jumu'ah to the next Jumu'ah plus three days, which means ten days. Subhanallah. And if you're consistent with it, you keep yourself in a good space in 10-day periods, 10-day intervals. Because a good deed is multiplied by 10 as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has promised. Um, in, so this is from the virtues, my dear brothers and sisters, right? That we do the ghusl. And doing the ghusl is from the sunnah matters uh, on this day of Jumu'ah, right? Uh, it's from the sunnah matters on this day of Jumu'ah. Some of the scholars have said it's compulsory 
to practice ghusl on the day of Jumu'ah. But we say, no, it's only, the correct opinion is it's only compulsory if, you know, you haven't bathed for a few days or you have a job that causes you to sweat a lot because we shouldn't attend the masjid while smiling. It, it, it's, it's, not, it, it's disrespectful to the day, to the masjid, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disrespectful to the people around us because if there's a bad odor that comes into the masjid, it affects, um, it affects um, the, uh, the, 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 the attentiveness of the people to the khatib. And we also know that from the etiquettes on the day of Jumu'ah is to listen attentively to the khatib. Right, so this is also from uh, the benefits or, or virtues of this day of Jumu'ah, uh, and also from the Sunan that we look after this ghusl. Also, my dear brothers and sisters, in terms of uh, virtues for this particular day, then coming early to the Jumu'ah brings about great rewards because Abu Hurairah radiAllahu an he reports that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that whoever does ghusl on Friday, like the ghusl for Janabah, meaning whoever does the same ghusl that they would do if if they if, if you know after uh, marital relations. Uh, or so, meaning they, they're in a state of uh, greater ritual impurity and then they observe the ghusl. So whoever does ghusl on the day of Jumu'ah as they would do after marital relations, then this person goes to Salatul Jumu'ah very early. The, the hadith says in the first hour, he will be rewarded as if he sacrificed a camel. And whoever goes in the second hour, he will be rewarded as if he sacrificed a cow. And whoever goes in the third hour, he will be rewarded as if he sacrificed a horned ram. And whoever goes in the fourth hour, he will be rewarded as if he sacrificed a hen. And whoever goes in the fifth hour, he will be rewarded as if he offered an egg in sadaqah. And when the imam comes out, the angels come to listen to the khutbah, which means uh, the scholars explain that they are angels that are recording our uh, or recording the people who are entering the masjid for this salah, or entering the Jumu'ah gathering for this salah. But once the imam walks in and uh, assumes the mimbar to speak to the people, the angels shut their books and they enter to listen to the khutbah attentively as well. Which means, this is a, you know, for those who come after uh, the, the imam starts the khutbah, then they've done themselves a great disservice. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. In any case, my dear brothers and sisters, our time has... Uh, come to an end inshallah when we meet next week we will continue with some of the virtues of the day of Jumu'ah and then discuss the day of Eid and um, move on discussing some of the matters we have uh, read in uh, today's uh, episode I love you all for the sake of Allah please continue to use the forums please continue to uh, spread knowledge of uh, this lesson to others and uh, please feel free to write in with your questions. Jazakumullah khairan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us. Ameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.